0: Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the Bulldozer Matt Tremont, and there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick Radio.
1: You're coming to come on Thursday night, Alabama.
0: This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together the acoustic kick radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and has become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice.
1: The shit is bananas,
0: well, this is Mr. Insanity, Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Boom. I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent. Spirit is of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. man. Where are
1: Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Give a nigga a real point a <laughs> cow, All you have to do is listen
0: to Yakuza Kick Radio, but... Now look at that doc, you only. Fuck that. Black is Bullshit, it, man. <laughs> Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies
1: and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J.Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kids. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host J. Cat Morris. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show tonight my guest Marcus Crane. What's going on, man?
0: What's going on, dude? How you
1: doing? Not much doing. All right. Um. So yeah, man. I want to have you on the show. You're tearing it the fuck up. Um. One of the craziest, craziest motherfuckers I've seen in wrestling. Um. So yeah, I want to have you on. Yeah, you know, talk about some some wrestling. What what actually got you into wrestling initially?
0: Um. Honestly, like, back in the day, I think it was
1: – I didn't really get into it until I was, like, about fifth
0: grade. Like, I had watched it a little bit, like, when I was younger. But um mm. I remember it was, like – it was, like, Jericho who got me really into it because he had, like – you know, he was kind of, like, athletic and everything. And, like, he cut all the promos and shit and, like, mm. all this shit talking. But he was also, like, flashy. Like, he had character, but he also, like, knew how to fucking wrestle, so. Yeah always found him very entertaining. Like, I've always liked that
1: mix of, like, someone who
0: does, like, cool shit, but at the same time has, like, character. Like...
1: Yeah, so yeah, so was that, like, WCW Jericho days, or?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, early, I mean, yeah, probably, like, WCW Jericho, um, when he was doing that whole thing, and he did this shit with Goldberg, and so, yeah, right. he was always someone who uh,
1: caught my eye. Man, were you more of a WCW guy, or did you watch WWE, or F, or whatever? I was
0: actually more of a WWE guy, but, you know, WCW had, like, the cruiser weights, and... Right.
1: I yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, when did you start, you know, becoming a fan of, like, the, the Deathmatch style? You know, the hardcore stuff, obviously, you saw the athleticism in Jericho, and he could talk shit and everything, but... Um, something at some point caught your eye that's, you know, opened your eyes to the whole world of deathmatch wrestling. And, you know, what was the first thing you saw? Uh, I remember seeing,
0: I remember back in the day doing like the whole eFed thing. If you remember those like deals, it was like on, M- like on the MSN groups and there was all the eFeds feds And that's how, how I kind of, mm-hmm. kind of discovering indie stuff. But the first two guys that really caught me was, uh, the Messiah and
1: Signic Mondo. Oh, Okay. So, like, the whole so they CZW like, feud you had?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I, it was kind of like um, XPW was still kind of going on. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, then CZW a little bit later.
1: Yeah. So, that, around 2002, 2003, you're talking at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Cool. Um, how did you come across CZW? You know, tape trading or, you know, was um, there any television coverage or, you know, what did you see?
0: Well, so I'm originally from the Quad Cities. It's about three hours southwest of uh, Chicago. And there was a, pr- a little local promotion in the area. Um, it, it was like these guys, they had a ring. They weren't really trained at the time, but it actually ended up later being like uh, who, uh, Seth Rollins, who was wrestling there. And uh, the guy who trained Seth Rollins, Danny Daniels, was actually one of my trainers. He had came down to the Quad Cities, and started teaching all these dudes because they were running shows, but no one was really trained, but they had a ring, and they had, like, a following. So I kind of got into ROH and then started seeing a lot of the indies that way.
1: Oh, okay. Um, how did you actually get into training for wrestling? Like, um, you know, what motivated you to want to go and actually train and, you know, become a wrestler?
0: Well, you know, I mean, especially once I was going to those local indie shows, and I saw it, like, on that level. And, of course, like, me and my friends would always like, do the back of wrestling, like on the trampoline, because at the trampoline, Sarah would come over and start doing that shit. But I always just, uh, like, I always just, I love doing that, and I like the whole, like, character, like, make kind of like making your own character, and like, um,
1: like, all of it, like, the whole, like, uh, theatrics and everything around it, I guess. Yeah. Um, was it what you expected when you got into actual training and started, you know, doing what you were supposed to do in there? Yeah. Um,
0: I had always kind of been around wrestling. I had t- I started managing when I was like 15 years old. So I'd always okay. kind of like, always had kind of my like foot in the pool, I guess you could say, for a long time. So uh, when I, I would do like camps or whatever, and when I finally got into training, like I, was, I felt pretty
1: natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um. So how did you create a gimmick or, you know, what your style was going to be or just your overall like, focus in wrestling and how'd you figure it out?
0: Well, um, the whole gimmick was you know, I was the old goth kid and shit growing up and uh I was really big into like industrial music and there is a band called Me Christ. And I was just like the look of it. Like he would wear like all white and have all like this blood shit all over him. So I um, it kind of started off that way and uh I know later on I don't know how you'd really describe it. I kind of just kind of acted how I was acting in high school. I was kind of like a spaz. I mean, you can (laughs) usually pick that up from watching me wrestling. I've always kind of been with spaz. Kind of drives me crazy because it shit gets sloppy.
1: (laughs) But I'm just naturally
0: (laughs) kind of like a spaz. Um, But then later on, I just always, like, I always wanted to have, like, kind of a cool look. I hated going out there. I don't want to be the guy just like the black trunks who, when you see him walk out of the curtain, you're like,
1: well, this guy looks fucking boring. And, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, what what was your actual first death match? Um, my first death match was, uh, I want to
0: say it was Prince of the Deathmatch, because, You know, it was the third Prince of Death match. It was me and Dixieland Destroyer in, like, a barbed wire match or whatever. And then I think the second one, the second match of that night was me and Ron Mathis, and then it was me and Neil Diamond Cutter in the finals of the Prince of the Death match.
1: Okay. Um, Now, you know, when you did Backyard, did you do, like, you know, crazy glass and wire and stuff, or was this your first actual taste of that type of thing?
0: Uh, This was, like, kind of my real first taste of it. Like, I didn't really do a lot of that in the backyard. Um The wrestling company I, I was with, I would get into, like, a hardcore stuff, so I didn't like kendo sticks and, like, chair shots and all that kind of shit. But this was my real first time really getting to use, like, glass and the barbed wire and all that.
1: Nah, um, I mean, did, did it just at that point come naturally to you? And, um, I mean, I don't know how comfortable that could feel, but it seems like you kind of really settled into, a, you know, something you are all right with.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, a lot of it's like adrenaline, you
1: know, <clears throat> closing my eyes yeah. and hoping I don't die at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the first time I actually saw you was um, 2015 King of the Death match. We actually made the trip out from Jersey to, you know, um, I think Indiana is where it was, or Kentucky, or one of those over there. Um, yeah. I don't even remember where it was. Um, so we traveled out there, and it was obviously the big return you know, five years out of prison, Nick Gage was going to be up against right. this, this this kid that nobody knew. <laughs> so it was like, you know, on yeah. paper we already looked, and it was just like, Nick Gage versus that dead guy. I mean, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Um, What was it like being the guy that they fed to Nick Gage first round? Well, um,
0: it was pretty fucking scary, because it was right after he uh, beat the fuck out of... Uh... The dude at East Coast said, "Fabulous." Right.
1: Like, mm-hmm. I
0: remember watching him like practically scalp him. He was like standing on his head and like pulling his fucking hair <laughs> out. And I was like, "Oh man, I really fucking hope this isn't me." Um, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was getting all my merch ready, and I walked by uh, uh, Brig Masada at the bar, and he was sitting there with like Clover Robinson and Nate Gage, and uh, he invited me to come over and sit with him because me and Brig had had made friends, and Brig is like. It kind of looked at him as, like, kind of an older brother to me. He's a uh-huh. – he, he inspired me a lot, like, a really, like – like, him and Daddy Havoc are my two favorite American Deathmatch wrestlers because they know how to actually, like, fucking tell a story. Um, right. So he, he, always, he always liked me, and he invited me over, and they're always talking about, like, all the new wrestlers and how, like, all these Deathmatch dudes are fucking pussies now, this and that, you know. We're fucking real hard as, like, you know, me, you – you like pointing at like Gage and Corbin Robinson. He points at me and in my head. I'm just like, I am not you fucking guys. <laughs> but, um, so Ian calls us over for, uh, the matches or whatever. And he goes, uh, he, Nick Gage and Marcus Crane. And Gage is like, who the fuck's Marcus Crane? And I'm like, uh, it's me. And he goes, oh, you, yeah, no, we'll do great out there. It'll be fun. So I think Brig saved my ass from just getting completely destroyed. I mean, it was, it was pretty pretty one-sided, but I got a little bit more, and I think a lot more than most people thought I was going to. I know Devin Moore is like, he's taking shit from him. I did not expect that. It wasn't a a, fabulous thing or a Jimmy Lloyd thing where it's a 20-minute destruction of whoever the fuck engages wrestling.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, you know, was it by design, or was there another reason why, um, you know, you only worked once that weekend? Because a lot of people worked double, and, you know, there was the the thing where the the night show was delayed half of it until the next day and they packed a lot in, but they had, like, a lot of non-tournament and stuff and, you know, you weren't on any of that other later in the day stuff. Yeah,
0: um, I was there that day and Ian said right in the beginning because they had to push everything, he was like, we're not doing non-tournament matches. We're not doing non-tournament matches. And uh, so I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm just going to sit around and drink and I may or may not have had like three hits of acid that day, and then he decided he's going to do non-tournament <laughs> matches, and I'm like, "Well, there's absolutely no way I'm fucking wrestling." But uh, watching Matt Tremont and John Wayne Murdoch in that uh, House of Horrors match was pretty fucking awesome. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I'm sure that was a good visual for you.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, it was, it was, it was amazing. But yeah, so that's why I didn't wrestle that day. But originally, the, we were
1: not supposed to have non-tournament matches because they had so much going on they had to fit in right so um you know fast forward to um GCW gets going um they they do the tournament of survival they line that up and you got you know your guy you know inspiration Danny Havoc first round um you know what's your thoughts going in and um your thoughts on the match okay so
0: I got in there because one of my closest friends is uh, Mike Robles who is uh, video editor for SmartMark. Mark. He does almost all of the shit. And okay. uh, he knew Danny Havoc was a match I always wanted. We tried to get it out in Wisconsin for uh, for dysfunctions place, but nothing ever really came of it. And they were looking for an eighth guy because someone got pulled off. And uh, I think somebody else they were going to bring in, but he didn't want to do last. Um, so him and Mike Burns, actually, the ones that went out to bat for me. And. Because Mike Burns and Zandig's history, that helped me a lot. And then I, I, I think I heard that Brig uh, gave me a stamp of approval, and that's how I got it. So going to that match, I was fucking super fucking nervous because, like, this is this is the dude who, like, inspires me the most. Like, this is, like, kind of like my fucking idol as far as, like, American Deathmatch wrestling goes. Um. So there was a lot of stuff I was going in there. I'm like, I do not want to make myself look like an asshole in front of this dude. Uh, cause that'd be pretty fucking embarrassing to kind of like shit to bed with the guy who you look up to so much. And right. then also I had, uh, Mike rebels and, uh, Mike Burns. Um, they went up to bat for me. I'm like, well, I can't make smart Mark look like giant fucking assholes.
1: So right. it, it
0: was a lot of pressure, but, uh, yeah, we had our fucking match, and I was just super fucking happy. I fucking – I was pretty much tearing up at the end of it. I always give shit to Grant about that. I'm like, I've cried three times during the game for my thing and two of them was with him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh um, yeah, no, like, the match turned out great. Like, that whole tournament sucked. It was just plagued with fucking injuries. Um, yeah. None of the guys who were supposed to be in the finals
1: actually made it to the finals. <laughs> right. So – um, so, yeah, you know, we'll back. go into the finals. Um, but before that, um, what, um, w- what was your thoughts on the Zandig pre-show, uh, pep talks? Because it was one of the most awkward things I've ever watched on DVD.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's like, you know, I had never met Zandig my entire life. And this is like the first time meeting him. And it's, he does this fucking like aura about him. Like, uh-huh. like it. So, I mean, it was kind of fucking awkward, but he, when he, when he gets like, when he gives you his pep talk, people will talk about Ian, like, he's really good at getting people like all the boys excited, you know, motivated, and he, he is good at that, but like, his dig is like that, times like a million, yeah. and like, when you're, when you're his guys and he's like, fuck it, you're going to go out and kick an ass, you're like, I'm going to fucking kill somebody, like, there's no way I'm not going to make myself a fucking asshole, uh,
1: uh-huh. but yeah,
0: it, it was definitely kind of
1: awkward, but, uh. Yeah, I'm just kind of an awkward person. <laughs> yeah, we you know, we didn't really see that until afterwards because you know I was there live and then I ended up watching the DVD and was like, well, what is this? And it just it didn't even come off like classic Xandig. You know, I I was going to CZW from 2001 on, and he used to get you know yell and get people fired up, and this was just kind of he's standing there around in a pink fucking tank top. Just... Oh my god,
0: that is, I was so upset the second time he came back to. Uh the other term of survival, we wore a white T-shirt. I'm like, no, you need those like neon colored t <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's I think funny,
1: he but, um... shirts
0: during the fucking show too. He had a neon pink one and a neon green one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He came equipped. <laughs> uh, so, um, obviously, the tournament falls apart, like you said. Um, you know what's what's the talk? I mean, you know, obviously they they go back to the drawing board at some point and. Uh, yeah, what do they do? They offer up who who wants to wrestle again or you know, what's the case? Well, um <clears throat> yeah, the the
0: finals, you know, Zandig was gonna end up doing it, that's why he came in and he he beat Masada and they were like, Yeah, he's gonna do the finals and we were just like, How the fuck is this dude gonna do this? He's jumping off the goddamn building. Of course right. he jumps off the building, he can no longer wrestle. Um so then it's Danny Havoc and I was actually like out of my uh my wrestling gear, like I had changed. And they come back and, they're like, throw your wrestling gear on. We're, all four of you guys are going out there in, like, three minutes. And so that's kind of how that happens. Pretty much all I knew was uh, I was taking that Canadian Destroyer off the top at some point, And I think we put together, like, two things. And that's why it was kind of just all over the fucking place.
1: Yeah. But and none, none, I'm,
0: none of the people were in the finals that were supposed to be. I know Danny Havoc wasn't too heavy about being in the finals. He didn't really want to go that long. <laughs> yeah. to be out.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, that match had such a tremendous amount of glass. Um, You know, GCW being, you know, a new fed and everything like that, small building, low ceilings. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've seen that amount of glass in an indoor, sh- you know, structure before. Um, you know, what was your thoughts going oh, in, yeah. seeing these big skyscraper tubes that are rocking every time they hit the ropes? Like, it, you know, what, what was your thoughts inside the ring? It was,
0: yeah, it's just like a fucking war zone, you know? It's like, and then it was like fucking Black Hawk down. Only instead of you know <laughs> yeah. dead bodies everywhere, where it's a bunch of glass. But said Zandi gave us that pep talk. He's like, you guys are fucking hungry. You're gonna go out there and you guys are gonna to kill it. So when he says that, it's like, yep, that's what I'm gonna fucking do. I'm gonna go out there and just like get fucked up and be ready to die for whatever. Yeah,
1: I I was picking glass on my fucking hands forever.
0: Oh he's <laughs> yeah. Wear gloves that.
1: <laughs> um. So um you go forward from there to King of the Death match again. Um this time you got Josh Crane, Dale Patrick and RSP. Uh, you had some words with Josh Crane back and forth online. I don't like the fucking guy. Um what's your thoughts on Josh Crane? It, you know it's just
0: it's me and him kind of be like more
1: opposites. <laughs> He's <has laughs>
0: right. pretty much everything that I'm everything that I'm not. Uh, yeah, no, I just I don't fucking care for the guy. Uh, that fucking, I hated that fucking match. The match did yeah. not turn out good. I fucking, I feel like I almost had a fucking concussion uh, off that goddamn cop killer. Um, yeah, no, I just don't care for him. Not, <laughs> <and> <laughs> right. i not I was, I was the one crane and then another crane came up and deathmatch. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah. I've always been like, I'm going like to be the better one.
1: Right. And um, Yeah. So, um, GCW Reed Bentley uh, dry ice match. Never seen this before. Um, yeah. How did that come up? You know, what what was that like? <laughs> I mean, I don't even. Well, so this
0: was another thing uh, Mike Robles helped me came up with an idea for. We were just trying to do something different. You know, we wanted to do something that had not been done before. And Robo's brought up the dry ice match that had been done, like, twice in Japan. And uh-huh. he was trying to sell me on it. I It took him, like, five days to fucking sell me on this shit. I'm like, I don't want to fuck with dry ice. I'm going to fucking burn my goddamn skin off <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, eventually, he finally got me to do it. I'm like, you know, we can do, like, a fucking cool story that no one's ever seen it before. Like, I'm not going to sit there and, like, smash dry ice in each other's face for, like, 20 minutes. Um, but then, yeah, yeah I remember... Uh, we're like, do you think Bentley will do it? I'm like, all right, let me see if I can talk to him. Uh, I text Reed Bentley. I'm like, hey, so I've got an idea. I know it's kind of sketchy, but it's a dry ice match. Before I can even send the next text, he's like, okay, I'm in. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Reed Bentley used to yeah. be a guy who, uh, back in the day, like he was he didn't want to even fuck with light tubes. Now he just literally does not give a fuck. But uh, I've known it for a long time, and uh, I was really happy with how that match turned out. I thought it was. It was something completely different. Um, I feel like we did like a good story with it. Uh, it reaffirmed my belief in why I don't do barefoot matches. I was barefoot like once, like for the last 15 seconds of the match, and my foot was cut up for like cut to shreds, and I had a piece of glass
1: in my foot for like a year. Yeah. Um, so, so what was the dry ice like when you actually encountered it? <sighs> um, you know, I
0: I try not to try not to touch it for too long, but I, it had, it had like a really, I don't know, I could tell everywhere that I had touched after the match. Cause I had a burning sensation still. Um, yeah, it's definitely not fun. Uh, we, we didn't, we didn't like hit each other with it too much, but the times we did, it was like, it was just like a really like burning sensation. I felt like I had my tongue stuck to like a fucking, uh, like a fucking swing set, like Dumb and Dumber or something. It had like that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's really hard to describe, but yeah. it leaves a burn burning sensation for a little while.
1: Okay. Um, so Viking, you know, made a big resurgence on the deathmatch scene um, 2016. He did the uh, tournament of survival. Um, you got to wrestle him at the end of 2016 at the uh, GCW show in December. Um, what was your thoughts on that match going in and, you know, how it came out?
0: Um me and Viking uh made pretty good friends like at uh the first tournament survival. Uh Mm -hmm. He's like my French Canadian brother. He's also kind of just fucking insane. Um that was the first time I'm pretty sure we used razor blades. And it was something that like I've always wanted to do. Um and like something like Jean Kasai made famous. I'm like, this is what I want to do, we're gonna fucking try this. And uh, you know, I wasn't super happy with the match. Like we had gone on last, and uh, I feel like with 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 Viking, his accent is very thick, and some he doesn't English isn't his first language, and sometimes right. it's time to it's hard to kind of like communicate with him in the ring. Um, but I, mean, I I love him. I feel like we I wanted to be a lot better, but I w- I was kind of let down by that match. I just feel like we didn't have like the crowd how I really wanted to have them.
1: Okay, um, so february you have a match with slack which i thought was just stole the show um i thought it got got lost lost in the shuffle a little bit because gcw if anything they do wrong i'd say they do too much sometimes um yeah, yeah i agree
0: I, I agree with you it's it, it makes it fucking hard uh mm-hmm. and, and it's almost hard to go back to the point where it's like we like scale back down on the gimmicks people be like well this isn't as hardcore as these last shows and, i i I'm right there with you, like
1: right um you know they i they put on another two or three death matches after what i I mean you guys put on a sh- a match that no question would main event and just blow the roof off of any show. No one would leave the show upset if that was the main event, so um, your thoughts on the schlack match I mean at some point you took i think a uh, Oklahoma slam or some kind of shit into the razors and. It was no, just lines I across the all. That two
0: slams into those fucking razors.
1: Yeah, I took that um,
0: first one as he's picking me up for that second one. I was like, "Fuck me! Like, why did I? Do, why am I <laughs> doing <this> to myself?"
1: <laughs> yeah. What was your thoughts on the match? Obviously, you got another one coming up with Slack. Um, you know, what's what was your thoughts on that match? Um,
0: so going into it, I I talked to Slack a little bit before because, uh, my buddy Mikey Classics. Mikey classic who's in this band goddamn gal was actually played with him at uh, a like the year prior and they had made friends and, uh, Schlack knew who I was from like the Deathmatch scene. So mm-hmm. th- I think this was Schlack's first match in GCW and he, he has gotten of a reputation of being like sloppy and a bit reckless or whatever. Um, I hadn't really seen a lot of this stuff except for, I think he's pretty much just destroying everyone in CZW. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: like come out, like spear somebody through a table, and that was about it. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I, uh when we actually requested this match, um, Brett was like, well, I might have you wrestle this guy instead. I'm like, well, we both want to wrestle each other. Why don't you have us wrestle each other? And he's like, well, Sex kind of got a reputation for being reckless, and I don't want him to fuck you up. <laughs> so there was that. Um But, you know, we went to the fucking match, and my whole thing was like, I want to fucking have, like, a fucking match of this dude. I don't want it to be, like, some little fucking squash, and I want him to fucking look strong as shit. Um, yeah. The whole story is, like, he's going to be fucking Deathmatch Brock Lesnar. Uh, right. And I, I feel like we we we, uh, we accomplished that fucking story. Um, yeah. I did not, like, they had me going over, and we came up with a handcuff idea, because I'm like, I want to keep him strong. I don't want him to come in, and then for his first match, and we just beat him cleanly. What does that do for what does that do for him? Like, what does it really do for both of us? Um, right. But yeah, no, like it was fucking brutal. It was the most brutal match I had ever had. Slack's a big boy, and uh when he hits you, you fucking feel it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd um, imagine.
0: Yeah. And then we have this next match coming up, and we got some pretty fucked up shit planned that we're, we're playing on completely outdoing that last one. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, yeah, that's rough. Um you go to uh Carnage Cup, which Carnage Cup has a pretty bad reputation. Um I think it lived up to it on your end. Uh you didn't seem to come out of it very happy. Um Bryant Woods first round. Um I think he got pretty fucked up. Um what well, what's your story on that?
0: That fucking thing sucked. Uh, <laughs> that was one of those matches that made me want to quit wrestling when I was done Yeah. Uh we had a lot of stuff planned that never fucking happened. Like we did a, we like brawled around on around on the um outside for a little bit and we had like probably like an, another entire like an entire match called and uh his like knee was bad and like he couldn't breathe right so I thought he was out and I was like fuck it, we're just gonna go to the finish and there had been like a thousand matches before us and we were still first round. And uh-huh. like they have seen like everything. Going into it I was like, you know, we'll have a fun match. I'm like, I wanna do fucking comedy because Like like comedy to the point where not like retarded comedy but you know I'm like they need to see something different like more like character involvement because no one is really doing that it was just they had seen razor wire and fire and explosions right before a fucking match Um, so yeah I think his knee got fucked up he got short of breath so I was like fuck it we're just gonna take it home and then he gave me like a suplex thing and I landed like crooked on it and like There was, like, fucking – it was scissors, but there wasn't the scissors that fucked me up. There was fucking scalpel blades on the fucking thing, and it just completely cut my fucking elbow open. And I was, like, bleeding my ass off. I went in there trying to have a fucking easy fucking match after all the other shit that happened. And, you know, I just got completely fucked up. Uh, My girlfriend, Robles, they were down in fucking New Orleans. They they asked me if I wanted to go down there. I was going to go down there originally to go fucking – have a vacation, and I went there instead. So, I was just fucking miserable. <laughs> it yeah. was not
1: fun, and just I don't know. I, I, I hated that. <laughs> so, is it safe to say you're not going back to Carnage Cup anytime soon?
0: Yeah, I don't even think they're doing another Carnage Cup. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I don't. I don't really feel you'll see me at another one.
1: I don't really want um, one ever again. Yeah. <laughs> They did a, little, a lot of wild shit out there. Um, yeah, the fans setting up razor wire. I mean, there's wrestlers that don't want to touch razor wire, and they got fans like pulling out spools of razor wire. And yeah, and them. Then the fucking
0: Delaware assassin was in the fucking crowd, fucking hitting himself lights, being a fucking mark for himself. And that was <laughs> fucking pissing me off. And like he's in the crowd getting himself over as a fan because he's yeah. pissed off that he didn't get booked. And ugh,
1: sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I figured, you know, to anybody who's actually performing and stuff, that's got to be somewhat of a, a scary sight, because, you know, one of those fans get cut up really bad, like, it's probably going to shut shit down for a lot of companies, not just them. Right,
0: you got cut up by a fucking, in, like, one of the turn of Deaths, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yep, Tournament of Death, uh, Alex Colon, <clears throat> so, yeah, Yeah. but, um... That's fine. So, uh, you know, you go back to King of the Deathmatch 2016, another four-way first-round match. Um, what's your thoughts on this match? And what do you think about, you know, the four-ways in the first round? Because I know it's, you know, maybe a little more cost-effective because they could put more guys in, um, but they get a bunch of guys in and a bunch of guys out pretty quick. Um, right. What's your thoughts on it?
0: I I personally, I fucking hate multi-man deathmatches because I feel like, there's just too much shit going on, and you don't really know where to be, f- where to fucking watch. That one was actually my favorite one. It was me, Dale Patrick's, Eric Ryan, and some dork with fucking shitty dad shoes on
1: that I'm pretty much... <laughs> I think I was just
0: walking around the ring beating the shit out of him with a fucking water jug.
1: Uh, right.
0: I don't know why the fuck that guy was anywhere near a fucking ring. looked like... He, he, right. he looked like... He ugh, looked like something they just pulled out of nowhere. But I enjoyed that match a lot because Eric Ryan's fucking really good i like dale patrick's a lot um but yeah eric ryan like kind of helped structure that match and usually going into those matches i i just fucking hate him and uh i don't look too much into him but i was happy with that
1: one one (laughs) yeah um is it hard you know you gotta kind of get lost in the shuffle in the four ways more so
0: yeah and and there's just so much shit going on. It's hard to fucking for the audience to really pay attention. You'll see them all the time. Like if you watch videos of the four ways um, on DVDs, you'll see you'll hear some giant loud thing and like some crazy shit. fucking happen. It's completely. gonna you know, fucking damage to the crowd. Fucking go crazy. I right. I, I personally, when I would watch like deathmatch shows, if there was a multi man match, I'd fucking skip it. I don't even bother watching it. Right.
1: Does, does that make fan. you less likely to want to do like some big crazy shit cuz it might get completely missed by some other shit going on?
0: Yeah, I mean it depends like if if there's going to be some kind of super crazy shit, I'm going to make sure everything else is down. Like I'm not going to do it while other shit people are like brawling on the fucking outside. I everyone right. in the ring better be fucking down for like whatever the fuck I'm going to do if I'm going to do it. Um it's just structuring the match. But yeah, yeah I generally just fucking hate those things
1: yeah um so t o s two comes around you got a big dream match Takeda first round uh obviously you go out, but you know huge, huge matchup um what's it like going in there with Takeda, who's probably one of the best in japan, one of the best in the yeah
0: world. um it it was like it it, it meant a lot to me because it's like these guys are flying Takeda over you know when someone invests that much money and they're trusting you with the fucking match uh it means a lot, so it was it was, like, my, the biggest fucking match. Uh, Takeda's the fucking man. He he fucking goes, like, fucking 110%, like, every fucking match he's out there. He he doesn't, like, fuck, he never gets lazy about anything. He's fucking out there fucking shit up. And it's also yeah. you know, he's, like, Kasai's, like, fucking prodigy. So then that was also fucking, like, a big thing for me. Um, so, yeah, it was, like, it was fucking intense. So, you, uh, like, we had a lot of crazy shit, um certain shit obviously didn't fucking turn out right. <laughs> uh, right. But like, I think mean, overall, like it, it was, it was a fireworks show. It wasn't so much like, a um, it wasn't so much like a storytelling match. It's, it was the first time I had wrestled anyone from Japan and like the language is a little bit difficult. Uh, sure. I feel like if we, if we did it again, like we could have more of like a story structure built match, but I kind of let, uh, it was just a fireworks show for what it was. And, um, I wish other stuff came off better. The pigeon spikes yeah. were fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, pigeon spikes. This is one of these things that, you know, deathmatch guys look at the stuff that you're about to use and go, "Fuck that." Um yeah. what what is it about you that seems to just fucking okay everything that comes across cuz every time they come <laughs> up with some crazy shit, it's Marcus Crane who's taking this crazy shit. I mean, there's 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 no coincidence Generally, going on here. Um Dude, pigeon spikes what what makes you okay that?
0: Um, you know what, man? Like, pigeon spikes was was the first thing. I honestly like when I saw them, I was trying to figure out a way to like gimmick them so I wouldn't fucking die. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because those things, like I like I tried pushing down like before the show, I tried like smashing them down so like they would stay flat, and I just couldn't fucking do it. And uh, I think I was talking with Takeda, and I'm like, hey, I don't fucking trust these things. Um, <laughs> yeah. We could do, like, a sandwich deal, like, something, like, light tubes in between it. And so he called, like, the spot with, like, the running knee in the corner. That was originally, like, all I wanted to do. I didn't want to fucking bump on him. Comes uh, a the spot where I'm giving him the fucking small package driver. And he asked me to, like, give him a move on that. And I'm just like, are you sure? He's like, yes, yes, please, please. I'm like, all right, man, I don't, I really don't, like, want to do it, but fuck it. If you want to do it, we'll do it. And uh, so when I went to give him the move, I'm like, I'm going to protect his talk out of him. I do not want Takeda to get fucked up. I'm not going to be the guy who fucks up Takeda. That is the All last right. thing I want in my fucking mind. So I give him the move, fucking whatever. I start to turn over, and I feel it, like, just in my back. I'm like, yep, this is fucking inside me right now. This <laughs> this is here. So I just kind of like laid there. and let the crowd fucking, fucking uh, see him. Fucking uh, rip those fucking... Ripped that shit out. Did my big splash under the fucking glass pane that didn't break with the gussets plates facing towards me because I was like, <laughs> a fucking tension like an idiot. <laughs> um, uh. it's, like, it's like I got awesome fire off of it and then it was just like dud. I was just like motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> I I fucking um, after the match like I didn't have any really bad cuts but um, I thought I had bruised or broke a rib for a while and like I was just sitting there like you do you need to go to the hospital. And I'm like no I'm fine. And I'm sitting in the back and the EMT guy, he, he looks at me. He's like, you're turning fucking great. I need to take like your vitals or whatever. And my heart rate, my heart rate dropped a whole bunch. And I yeah. could barely breathe. Like, I could barely stand. So Slack took me, takes me to the hospital. And uh, I found out what happened was like when those things impaled me, a giant pocket of air like got inside me. That usually happens when you're like stabbed or shot. Um, right, And it was, Pushing down on one of my lungs, so one of my lungs wasn't expanding at all, and the air pocket was also pushing down on my heart, so it was fucking up my heart rate. Um, so (laughs) I was getting pretty close to fucking dying there. Um, (laughs) They really, you can't really do anything for that, so I kind of just like lay there. It it was a really weird feeling. Um. Uh, they're like, "Don't fly," and then, (laughs) "Well, I got to go to Vegas on Tuesday, so fly." Um, but it was weird because under my skin, if you like rub my skin, it felt like there was bubble wrap under it. Wow. It was, it, it, yeah, I could just hear this crunching noise like in my ear and like, it slowly like worked its way out that you will never see those in a match ever again. I don't fucking like them. I didn't want to bump on it was me trying to protect KK to make sure he didn't get fucked up and I fucked myself up. But yeah. I'd rather it be me than him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I... So so no carnage cup, no pigeon spikes. We're crossing a couple of things off the list. Yep,
0: yep. No carnage (laughs) cup, no pigeon spikes, no barefoot. Uh, And I prefer to stay away from uh, carpet strips because they're fucking stupid.
1: Oh, okay. Um, uh, Well, carpet (laughs) strips. We'll talk about that a little bit then. Um, Obviously, you know, some people, you know, will see these and they don't seem to make the impact that a lot of things do. You know, tubes make the explosion, the... (laughs) Pains make the explosions. You know, some stuff sticks out a lot more than others. Um those are visual. Tiny little nails on it and I'm sure they fuck you up royally, but um you know, is is that what it is? It's you know, the visual's not worth the pain.
0: I remember forever always seeing carpet strips and matches and I don't think it was till me and Connor Claxon I ever had them in there. I always Mm -hmm. like thought in camera, they look like shit. They don't sound cool, they don't fucking look cool. When I'm watching right. it, I'm like, wait, how the fuck does this hurt? Because i never actually seen one. So if I'm thinking, wait, how the fuck does this hurt? This doesn't look cool at all. I'm sure the fans don't think so either. And we had, like, a door, and I gave him, like, a running ocean cyclone suplex into it, and I barely touched it. And those things, like, ripped him apart, and it ripped, like, down my back. There's little nails, and they just fucking rip you apart, and they look like shit. Yeah. I fucking hate it. It's stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so I prefer not to fuck with those. People just like them because they're, che- they're super cheap.
1: Yeah. So that's how I um, feel like they got out. Yeah, I think Teddy Hart still got scars on the back of his head from Zandig throwing him into those. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. He wasn't that's very stupid. happy about
1: that. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, those, so, those, are, those are dumb. And so uh, the, one other gimmick that I fucking hate, it's the dumbest shit ever, is um fucking... um. That pink shit that they put on the walls,
1: oh um uh, insulation, like fiberglass.
0: yeah, insulation. I've seen those used am like that looks stupid as shit it it makes no sound, and all it
1: does is make you feel terrible later, like I don't, yeah, you know, I don't understand some of this shit, yeah, yeah, it's gotta suck, um, so you go to Mexico with g c w what was it like you know, going to Mexico, your experience wrestling over there, um obviously, there's gotta be a language barrier there as well oh yeah definitely um
0: i felt like down there it was it was even harder than like talking with like the japanese
1: guys like
0: have we had a translator so he would kind of like communicate back and forth crazy boy was like agenting all the matches um like i i had fun in mexico we were like always on the road it was really cool like seeing all the different buildings and all like the history and shit and Mm -hmm. like i enjoyed it down there um all of our light tubes down there are the fucking skinny ones. Like wow, there would be shit. like a couple of like the bigger ones. So we always made sure we fucking kept those. Cause those skinny ones are like, what fuck you up. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I had fun down there. Uh, I don't think any of the matches were like super fantastic just cause the language barrier. And we, I did like a lot of multi-man matches. I think my right. favorite one down there was when I barely did any death match stuff. I just talked a bunch of shit. Uh, and kept falling into these Mexican girls that were in, like, the front
1: row of the audience and fucking with them the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, N- NGI, too, you get to wrestle another Japanese guy, in, um, Daisuke Masoka. Um, what was your thoughts on that? You know, the guy was from Freedoms. There's really, like, wasn't a ton of U.S. fans that really knew the guy. So, this is kind of his introduction to a lot of the U.S. fans. I mean, some some people, right. I'm sure, knew him, but... um. You know, he was he was new to a lot of guys, but he was tearing it up in Japan. You know, what was your thoughts on this match going in? Um,
0: that was his first match in the United States, uh, so I know it was kind of like a big deal for him. The language barrier barrier there was even worse than with Takeda, but we had Sumi Sakai I kind know. of uh, like being our translator. Um, I enjoyed that match a lot. Like uh, I feel like it it went it, mo- it went really smooth. Like everything felt a lot more natural. Um, it wasn't as much as a fireworks display, but we still had some crazy shit. And he gave me like that double knees under that fucking bridge. And it like yeah. tore up my fucking rib cage. Uh, so I, the, bo- the only two times I've ever gone to the hospital wrestling were both in like the tournaments this year. Well, last yeah. year, I guess. But, um, you know, it was another guy who I was like, I going to go out there and fucking kill it with, uh, cause he's like the champ for freedoms and, you know, that's like the ultimate goal is to get over there. So if I'm going to wrestle their dudes, I want to have them have a match that those guys are really happy with. And,
1: uh, that, you know, hopefully gets more attention from over there. Sure. Um, was, is it by design that you've been like the guy that goes down, you know, that more or less takes the losses and stuff? Cause I mean, you're getting these big dream matches, but you're not, you're surely not coming out on top of a lot of this stuff. Right. Right. Um,
0: well, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of how it's been. I never mind. Like to me, it's just getting the opportunity to wrestle like the um, dude that they're fucking flying over. You know, the Japanese. Sure. Dude. And usually, I and it's, usually you have the better match in the first round because second round shit gets a little bit more rushed. There's not as much time to do stuff. But first round you have that like real nice fresh match. So um, I'm I'm happy with like the way it's been handled. Like I like being the first guy in there because I know. Sure. The dude's not fucked up it's fresh and like we have we're gonna probably do the most amount of stuff compared to maybe the second match
1: i always feel like second round mm-hmm. matches seem like really rushed and they're like short and there's not a lot of shit going on in them yeah um so you know we talked about some of the other weapons you've used crazy shit um saws um <laughs> these always just look fucking maniacal to me um because there's so much there's so much metal that's sticking up. Um, you know, what yeah. what is it like working with fucking saws in in the ring?
0: Um, well, I always try to have those things kind of like
1: even like
0: on the board how they're like kind of evenly distributed and uh uh-huh. you yeah, know, yeah. they fucking they don't feel great, but uh I usually try to make sure I land in such a way that I'm not having them go through my fucking rib cage. Uh it's like, over in Japan, fucking um, Jin Kasai, they use those fucking, like, meat cleavers. I remember seeing the first time he took that and just completely, like, ripped his fucking shoulder open. That oh, yeah. shit fucking blows my mind. But, um, yeah, no, I kind of, I, I like the subs because they were different. And, uh, and, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to make it, like, my thing now, I guess. Because everyone has, like, <laughs> a little signature weapon and shit. I was like, shit, sure, I'll take them. <laughs> Yeah. Even though um, I, I I'm the one who always brings them
1: out and I'm always the one that's going through them, but you know, it's what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be <laughs> the way most of these things go. I mean, a lot of the people's signature stuff winds up back on them. But uh. Right. Yeah. Um. So all of these things you're taking, uh, obviously you're getting really cut up. You have a lot of tattoos too. Um, is it to the point where you just don't care? Do you spend a ton of money on touch-ups? Um, you know, what do you do?
0: Yeah, I don't really spend a lot of money on touch-ups. I used to be, like, a lot more careful with it, but now I'm like, eh, it adds character. Um, I'm friends with a yeah. tattoo artist, and I watch her I watch her house all the time, like, whenever she goes up to town, because she has, like a, like, a cat or whatever, and uh, mm-hmm. she gives me a lot of work for free, and, like, she's actually a good artist, but, yeah, no, now it's just kind of like, I, I I don't care as much. My my, my favorite right. tattoo, the one on my ribs got fucked up in a match with the Masoka and I got that giant cut, so now the uh, the tongue of the sandworm is, like, completely, like, not lined up. So after that one, I'm just going to, eh, whatever.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you if there was any specific one you're trying to avoid because that's your favorite one, but you've already yeah, crossed that off. So.
0: Yeah, That's fucked up now, so now it's just
1: whatever. Yeah. Um, so did have you ever been reached out to from ccw or you know what's what's the situation with that i know there's a big you know rift between the two now but um seems like you'd be perfectly fit for a tournament of death and you know has there been any contact
0: uh there hasn't been any contact i like forever ago um i was supposed i was supposed to go into ccw i think sammy was booking this was like years ago like four or five years ago and uh Shane Hollister came in, who had been wrestling in AEW, and we did, like, a whole, like, group there. So I was supposed to mm-hmm. come in with him at one point. I, know, I mean, I never talked to G- DJ. This was through Sammy. But then Shane ended up uh, being an idiot one day and ended up getting fired. Then later on, um, Chris Brothers were uh, booking a Dayton show, and they wanted me to wrestle Masada uh, there. And that was supposed to happen. And then, um, and then Masada quit CZW. That time, the right. short time it was, and so that never really came to fruition. Um, they never contacted me about a tournament of death, and I started doing the game changer shit. And you know, I'm, I'm I'm fine with not ever wrestling for CZW.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not like a bucket list thing or ever you know to work a tournament of death at some but point. It
0: to it totally was like I mean that was definitely a bucket list thing at one point. It was that and like cage of death, like the two big ones. Um, Right, but their shit is super fucking shady, and um, that's a big reason why I'm very like vocal about how much I fucking hate CZW. Is when Takeda came in last year, he was in cuffs as soon as he got the plane for like three hours. Um, As soon as he came in, they showed him a flyer of GCW. Like, what is this? What are you doing here? And Masooka also got some problems. Yet Onita comes over and he's perfectly fine. And I know for right. a fact they didn't get him a fucking um, they didn't get him a fucking work visa. And Onita mm-hmm. was fine, but our guys got fucked up. So as far as I'm concerned, they tried to like take those matches from me. So,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um.
0: like they're they're cr- I, all the guys that. I know who wrestled at CZW and came to Game Changer. They're like, man, the crowd is so much better here. Like, theirs, it's like, the crowd just is fucking terrible. It's not good. And all the CZW guys who wrestle for Game Changer, you can always tell when, <laughs> who they're wrestling for. If you just saw the match and didn't see, like, a brand logo or anything, you could tell who they are wrestling for because those guys go hard for Game Changer. But they also are given the chance that they're not given at CZW. Right. Sure. And, you know, the more- the morale with every wrestler who's been between c d w and game changer like they they love it way more at fucking game changer and they just everyone seems fucking miserable over there
1: yeah yeah it's it's changed quite a bit it's turned off a lot of the loyal fans, and you know game changer' definitely given a lot of the fans exactly what they're they're looking for
0: right so um yeah.
1: what how did uh the door spot? Come up when your head head went through the fucking door. Um, how, how did that all come about?
0: <laughs> uh, well, when being, uh, me and Eric Ryan were trying to think of shit to do for a match, so we wanted some kind of like different setup, and he came up with the ideas to have the um to have the doors hanging from the ropes, which I later heard people were like kind of bitching about because it was blocking the view. And I didn't even, I didn't yeah. even think about that. At the mm-hmm. time, which completely makes sense, I'd be pretty fucking pissed too. So that'll probably never happen again. But right. I didn't want to just have them hanging on the ropes and then cut them down and do like something with them, you know? Because then right. it was kind of pointless to the whole thing. I was just trying to fucking think of something uh, to fucking do, and those those are like hollow corridors doors, so you can you can go through them. But uh, I was just trying to think of something cool, and I was like what if he just threw me head first through it? And I popped out the other side, like fucking the shiny. <laughs> and
1: he's,
0: yeah. like, Are you sure? he's like, you're going to need a lot. You're going to need to run really fucking fast. I'm like, dude, if I don't go through it that first time, you've just picked my ass up and do it over and over until I fucking go through it. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was just an idea that just popped in my head. I was trying to think of something to do while the fucking, the doors were hanging on the ropes. Cause I didn't just want to cut them down and like, shit with them i wanted to do something with them being there and i just it popped in my head just on the way out to game changer like that day and uh, i was like i think this will be a cool visual hopefully it like turns out all right and uh
1: yeah that was always um you know a pet (laughs) peeve of mine you know going to shows is the barbed wire boards they set them up in the corner and it would cut off like a good line of vision it was just like hurry up and take this fucking corner bump real quick and uh you know people would just yell until the fucking board was broken but um you know this thing had gussets on it too. um you were you able to avoid the gussets or um
0: so wh- when I went head first through it, I went through the door, but the giant- one of the giant gusset plates like tore up my fucking uh my shoulder 'cause when I went through it, my shoulder like pushed through it and it like just got ripped open by the fucking gusset plate. It was like oh, five like shortcuts, but they were fucking deep, and I was they were bleeding like a motherfucker uh yeah I had. I had gotten the bleeding and stop, but for a little bit, and then eventually just kept bleeding and bleeding. And I, I had like three or four shirts in my fucking, in my fucking book bag, so I just put them all on to like keep the fucking pressure on the fucking shit. So uh, yeah, yeah, they got. Gu- I, I definitely got the gussets on that, not in my head. I'm glad, my, I didn't, I'm glad I didn't think of to like put my head through the gusset
1: plate because I thought about it at one point. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, hollow core door and everything, I mean, you could still hit that thing wrong and break your fucking neck. I mean, w- did you right. just have great confidence in your head going through this thing, or, you know, was there any yeah. game plan or <laughs> system to that, or you just hope for the best? I was
0: just... <laughs> I've noticed especially within the last few months, uh, I used to hate, like, shit with headshots, or even, like, chair shots, or fucking, I hated the stiff headbutt thing, like, like, fuck that, or something like, now. I just kind of lost the, I don't know, I just don't care as much I, <laughs> I pictured an X on the other I pictured an X on the other side of the door And I'm like I'm going to put my head through that X And <laughs> he went to Throw me and I just fucking like Took the biggest slingshot steps I could And uh, I, I'm surprised I got through there On the fucking first try
1: <laughs> Yeah um, On the Facebook Getting page Low life Louie said he challenges you to a Four loco death match Jesus Christ I would do it. (laughs) I'm sure. I I love. I
0: love. I love. I love Louis. He's he's fucking. He's great. He's he's fucking something. He's he's an interesting guy. But uh, yeah. He's good people. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, let me see. I'm looking through these questions I got. Some people are just talking. Um, All right, so Jun Kasai. Jun Kasai is a guy, obviously, um, you know, he's deathmatch royalty. Um, You've started to do kind of the thing that Tremont did with Onita and calling out Jun Kasai. Um, You know, are you getting any, you know, progress in this? Are we looking at a future match between you and Jun Kasai? Uh,
0: That's the goal. The goal is to get a match with Jun Kasai. I got the idea after the, the, the match with Tremont. I was watching Tremont leave, and I was like, fuck it, man. It, whatever, it worked for Onita." I'm like, I'm going to fucking call him out. Uh, but we we haven't been able to book him yet. Like, if we could, he would be booked already. Like, you would know it. Um. But another thing I fucking hate TVW for <laughs> is they really, like, the last time he was here, they treated him like shit. And um, I know when Jimmy Lloyd was in – in Mexico, uh he talked to Gene Kasai about becoming a game changer and Gene Kasai he said he has like no motivation to come to America. So that really like that really fuels my attention more for that shit. That's why I'm like I wanna make enough of like a fucking like I wanna make enough of a fucking noise that he fucking hears it and I want I want him to see how much the fans fucking love him. Like Game Changer is not gonna fucking have him sleeping on floors so if someone's fucking out. <laughs> He would get mm-hmm. us the royal fucking treatment over here, but yeah, no, like that's like the match of matches that I fucking want. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I that's all I really know from. us talking to him is Jimmy Lloyd talking to him and saying that he has no motivation to come to America. So, I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. we can make enough of a buzz that it changes his feelings on that.
1: Yeah, Um. there's some talk of GCW leaving Howell after January. Do you know anything about that? Is that something, you know, legitimate? I hear the um, yeah, strip mall selling the, I, or something.
0: Yeah, I just heard about this at the last show. January is going to be our last show there. Um, I guess Game Changer, that Game Changer World fucking sold their venue because they were doing more of the concerts at that new place. And like their new place has like an actual like giant fucking like, an arcade and like a rock climbing wall or whatever the fuck. So, um, right. yeah, that'll be our last show
1: there in January. Um, is there any talk or plans of a new venue that you guys can do the type of crazy shit you did in Howell? Because I don't I don't know that many indoor venues that the owners are just going to sign on to what you guys are up to. Yeah,
0: I haven't heard anything about um, I haven't heard anything about like new venues yet. I know. The Mar- I think the March show they're gonna do at the compound, but I don't. Th- they're, they're not trying to stay at the compound. They're not trying to run all their shows there. But I'm, right. I'm pretty sure the March one is going to be at the compound. But I'm not really aware of uh, what venue that will be at next, because I know that one in Allentown we can't do any test match shit there. So right. Hopefully yeah. they fucking find something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine you can go too too crazy in the compound, because again CCW is in the same parking lot, so that's eventually gonna get some kind of.
0: You know, yeah. Drama. I'm sure
1: some kind of shady shit's going to be fucking going down. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the worst injury you've had through all of this? Um, was it the bird spike thing or it was there worse? Um, yeah,
0: no, I'm going to say it's uh, the pigeon spike
1: bird spike thing. Cause there's
0: a giant thing of air pushing down on my, my lung where it wouldn't expand and pushing down on my heart it turned out really bad. Uh, that thing, I, like how deep that shit was in there, just fucking blows my mind. I'm lucky it didn't like really fuck up any of my internal organs.
1: Yeah. That shit was. Flickering. Yeah. Near death is usually going to top the list of injuries. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: I think um. I think I'm in like number one in the in the death pool for <laughs> for a lot of places. My work has me at the top of the dead. We have a death pool at our bar, and I know I'm <laughs> at the top of that one. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a, a pretty safe. At least I'm
1: not, at least I'm number one at something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you see the um the Ohio uh the Scarlet Grave shirt that seems to be stealing your gimmick with the uh the gas mask?
0: Yeah, I saw you tag me in that.
1: Um, what I thoughts?
0: mean, I think they just kind of just do whatever. I know. So I, the dreamier thing came from me. Uh, I was like back in like 2012. I was getting wrestling shirts made. I'm like, well most fans are kind of positive wrestling fans. And, uh, I wanted to do something different. So I came up with the idea to actually like brand my clothing. So mm-hmm. that's how the dream, the dream eater, like the dream eater was like the name of like one of my moves or whatever. I'm like, I'll just put that on there. Cause that sounds cool. And, uh, I, I paid this dude over in like Taiwan to fucking design that one. It was like the sandworm one. I'm like, I wanted to make, mm-hmm. I wanted to look like a cool, like fucking like band shirt. Right. Like, nice. And then, um, the brands started getting kind of big, like all like the little Instagram brands and shit, and people kind of starting out stuff. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to – I'm going to brand my stuff so people will be more inclined to buy it. I've actually – I sell a lot of my stuff to people. I have no clue. I'm a fucking wrestler. Um, mm-hmm. And Dave Chris actually used to be on a lot of shows together in AEW, and he always thought it was like a really fucking cool idea. He was like, oh, I love the dreamer idea, blah, blah, blah. And I always knew it was going to be a matter of time before – Wrestlers start branding their stuff, and then he came with the scrabble dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, here it, it go. <laughs> <So, laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's um, even, I, I'm sure it's eventually going to be like every wrestler is going to have their own fucking clothing line brand. But <laughs> yeah, it <is>
1: um. <laughs> well, if you had to make like a, a, I guess a best of tape or you know something that you wanted to show people your your favorite five matches, what would those five matches be?
0: Um, probably be. Me and Danny Havoc. I probably have two matches with Danny Havoc. Both of them. The one with COW too. following um, myself and Slack. Takeda and Masoka. I think it's pretty obvious which ones they would be. Masoka. If I was just short to show it to random people that weren't necessarily looking for Deathmatch stuff, I wrestled the Steiners once, so that would probably be on. <laughs> uh, I had a match with the Young Bucks forever ago. That was, wow, that was fun. Uh, yeah, I got to wrestle a lot of fucking cool people, but uh, I, my top five like death match would probably be those five. I love all my stuff with fucking uh, Danny Havoc.
1: It was like I'm wrestling sure the I... Steiners because. I, I've seen a couple of matches with them with indie guys and indie guys get no offense.
0: Oh yeah. Um, it was like a four way tag match. It was just kind of like, whatever, like I'll just go out there and do whatever the fuck I'm going to do. He just he didn't really give a shit. Uh, Steiner is very much a guy who still likes getting his shit in. And, mm-hmm. um, but he was, he was really cool. Like I was totally thinking like he wouldn't want to do anything. Um, but yeah, he was like getting all this shit in and, uh, I remember for the finished. I tried to get him to do the Steiner screwdriver, and he was thinking about it. He almost did, and he was like, "Ah, no, I'll do the, we'll do the Doomsday um, bulldog thing." I was like, "All right, whatever, that's cool." And then uh, one of the wrestlers was drunk. I think it was actually Shane Hollister. He was like, "Oh, the ring looks all fucked up." So Rick was like, "Yep, I'm not doing that." So then we we changed it to the Steiner recliner. It was funny how he calls it because he calls all his moves weird. Uh, like, he says, bear hug suplex. He's talking about the belly-to-belly. He's like, step mm-hmm. around suplex. And then he was like, oh, I'll give you the flat back and then the, and the Steiner recliner. I'm like, what the fuck is a flat back? And I'm like, oh, it's the fucking flatliner. I'm like, wasn't the whole deal that, like, his name rhymed with? <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was the flatliner, the flat back. I'll give you the flat back and then uh, I'll put you in the recliner. But, uh, yeah, no, Scott was really cool. I liked him a lot. Um, cool. Um, yeah, I, mean, I didn't really
1: get a lot of offense, but I didn't care. I just wanted to get fucking thrown around by Scott Steiner, so. That's
0: what I did, sure.
1: Yeah. Um. What would be your favorite GCW show? Because obviously, you know, they're they're the company that's really spotlighted you the most, at least from what I've seen. Um. What would be your favorite GCW show as a whole?
0: As a whole, like with all the matches on them.
1: Yeah. Um. It's kind of
0: hard for me to remember, like what what shows. Have, what I I I want to say the one with me and Slack. But I'll be honest; I don't really remember what other matches were on that show. Right. I feel yeah, like every every show we, we generally have like a pretty fucking good show,
1: and like all the matches are really fucking solid. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are some dream but, matches you have left? Obviously, Jun Kasai's on that list. Um, is there anybody else who you'd really want to wrestle you haven't gotten in there with yet?
0: Uh, Jun Kasai and Masada.
1: Masada. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: I would say that. So you still like, haven't got- it, me and him, me, me and him have, uh, have known each other for a long time and he's he's always kind of like helped me out. he was wearing actually one of my t-shirts during the king of the death match um but yeah, he's someone who I haven't got to wrestle that I really really want to 'cause he's just really he's really good at like fucking telling a story and I like having those matches like that's why I like me and uh actually when you used that best for five me and Matt Tremont would have been on there. Because I yeah. really, really like the story we told in that match. It's like Kingston was putting it over. He was like, I've never seen someone work a fucking arm in a goddamn death match. But yeah. I really liked how that. I really like the story of that one a lot. But I feel like me and Brig would have
1: a really fucking good match.
0: Sure. And tell like a really yeah. cool story. Um,
1: but You know, what are your goals in wrestling at this point? Obviously, um, you know, Japan has got to be one of them. Um, you know, what do you... Having aspirations, timeline, like what? You know, how long are you trying to do this? What do you What do you got lined up? At least as far as short term costs?
0: <laughs> um, trying to get that match with Jim Kasai, and I mean going yeah. to fan is the the ultimate goal. I mean, right. I don't really know how long I'll be doing it. Like I, I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. Right. I feel like I'll end up like quitting probably because I and I have to, not because I want to. <laughs> Right. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that those are my fucking – those are my goals. Maybe uh, win an actual tournament and make it past the first
1: round this year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there, you know, get off your chest? Anything you want, man. The floor is yours.
0: Uh, not really. I think I'm pretty open about most of this shit, and I feel like we covered a lot of it. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man. Cool, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on, man It was great talking to you And, um, I mean, you're just fucking killing it out there Including yourself Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what, Yeah, man, um Some fans are asking, too, on the Facebook You know, please don't die this year So I don't know if that was on you know, on your to-do list But, you know Uh,
0: I, ho- I would like to make it to Japan Or Russell Jenkins side before I die
1: So i am trying my best not to But it's hard not to go Hard <laughs> sure um do you want to plug anything uh no i think i think we're good all right man well uh, thanks for coming on love to have you back on in the future it was a good time man
0: yep no problem anytime dude
1: cool have a good night all right cool you too bye so there you go There's marcus crane the plague bringer um good time um think i covered everything at least i hope so and um that's it man i'll be back probably wednesday we'll see what's going on you know i just did a fucking two-hour show last night interview tonight uh probably do the show with shaheen tomorrow if we get questions and all of that shit going so um, gonna go ahead and wrap this up listen to the hot tag podcast and uh check me out later in the week see what's going on talk to you then peace talk to y'all later have a nice night.
0: Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You been in the gym, bro? You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people
1: like me so you can point your fucking fingers and
0: say, that's the bad guy. So... Well, that make you good. Black like, Jesus tell tells me all the time to listen to what you got to say because you've been blazing people. And I'm like, well, i got to hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. I lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell her to. Even when I lie. The accuser kit radio Jesus So say good night To the bad guy I'm gonna tell you something Straight up the motherfucking press I ain't coming for no food